Hello and welcome to Tradfest. I'm Kieran Hanrahan. And I'm Ruth Smith. We're coming to you from the pulsating heart of the legendary Oliver St. John Gogarty Bar in Temple Bar in Dublin, Ireland. We are indeed, Kieran. We have another show packed full of trad without frontiers. And later on in the show, we have the sweet sounds of the Lost Brothers and great Galway tunes from the Kane Sisters, plus our globe-trotting gig guide. I felt the warmth there when you mentioned Galway <laughs> tunes, Ruth, for sure. First, we have a very special artist who played the very first show at Tradfest in Dublin last month. Her name is Brenda Castles. She's a famed concertina player from the hotbed of County Meath. Brenda played a rare solo concert in City Hall in Dublin to kick off Tradfest this year. She also played at our gala event in Dublin Castle as a member of Green Fields of America. She did indeed. So let's enjoy the majesty of Brenda's play playing here now with a set of hot jigs, Top the Candle, The Promenade and James Kelly's. Thank you. 
Thank you very much. Concertina player Brenda Castle, you played a, a solo performance here today at uh, City Hall as the opening concert for Tradfest. The idea of doing solo performances, I don't know how many times you would have done that, but is it something you'd see into the future for yourself? Yeah, I'd like to uh, to pursue it. Um, it. It's just, I mean, there's pros and cons, but the pros are that, you know, you're definitely in your own little world. You de you're definitely lost in, so in it, really. Um, in fact, you know, and yeah, and you, you make all the decisions musically and you don't have to put you know the certain chords in the same place for the other person you're playing with you can you can have a lot more freedom like that you know so that's nice um, and I suppose the variety is what you'd want to you need to work on that to keep people interested uh, especially in this day and age you know? Well, you did with the variety of concertina playing and the, the variety of tunes you seem to be a sort of a voracious collector of tunes well um I suppose I don't know if I'd say that but uh, I do I think if you're going to do a concert like this, you need to have different rhythms and different, th uh, just different things. I, I think performing is really about hooking people in. You can play whatever you want as long as you have a hook for people to, to kind of just grab them in and kind of get them involved in what you're doing. I think that's the... That's the thing. We've spoken about your concertina playing, but we haven't spoken about your singing. When did you first do that or have you always sung? I have definitely not always sung but I did sing in the choir as an alto growing up always so I suppose I have always sung <laughs> um, but not solo and um, I was doing, I did the tourist gigs a bit here in Dublin and um, they'd drive you mad and so the, to keep myself sane I would always try to learn something on them and so I started singing um, and th then I started trying to sing and play the concertina at the same time on them because you'd, I'm telling you, you'd go mad if you didn't do something. Um, so then that's, that kind of has stuck with me and I've started to sing a lot more and it's really interesting. And you also have another interesting musical collaboration with another female performer. Oh yeah, myself and Liz Hanley, we both play in uh, Greenfields of America uh, with Mick Maloney and um, we've kind of branched off ourselves and we kind of, we're tired of always depending on accompanists um, and you know, the good accompanists are never available and so we figured she sings, I sing, um, I try and back myself on concertina and she's good at backing herself on fiddle and so with the two voices and the two uh, instruments, it's actually you, get, you can do quite a lot it's really interesting is that a cd in the making we're hoping so by the end of this year well we'll certainly look out for that your own solo cd you came up with a very unusual title you might explain tell us what the title is and explain it uh, indeed and you needn't bother so uh my granny who has passed away uh she was a a woman so she was she had attitude um and so one day uh my 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 aunt lived with her and my aunt and my mother were going away for the weekend and my sister said i'll come down and i'll keep you company you know and she said indeed and you needn't bother and it's very, uh, yeah, you have to say it in a certain way. Uh, <laughs> you wouldn't hear it anywhere else but Ireland. Well, Brenda Castles, it's a pleasure to meet you and we wish you continued success with your career. Thank you very much. Pleasure to play here and thanks for having me. I was so delighted that Brenda Castles was the opening act at Tradfest this year. Brenda mentioned there during her interview that she learned concertina from the late Rena Trainer who has left an incredible legacy, not just in County Meath, but right throughout the country. Uh, isn't it just amazing, actually, the impact a teacher can have? Well, there's no doubt, Kieran, that you know a, a good teacher, whatever 
point of your musical career, when you get a good teacher, the passion and the knowledge that they can pass on, it's just immeasurable the difference it can make to a musician. And, and I suppose their, their, um, their joy of the music and the, whether they stay the pace as well and keep music as a part of their life. Yes, and there is a kind of a filtering through. I mentioned Rena Trainer there and her influence over Brenda Castles. Rena also taught Michal O'Reilly, who's one of the leading concertina players in the country. He's passing on that tradition as well. So her influence, the influence of one person like that, filtering down through the generations, even the young people that are learning concertina playing now may not realise that Trina was the, 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 the seed that was sown for all of Absolutely. that. Absolutely, that trickle-down effect, you know, whether it's in a, a, a school classroom, you know, you get an inspirational teacher who might teach kids music there, or whether it's in the, the cultus, um branches all around the country, or an individual teacher or institution. Yeah, it's amazing work that people do. And can I ask you, Kieran? In your career, who was the most inspirational teacher that you encountered? Uh, there were very few teachers when I was learning. Uh, I met a man called Sean Horn from Manchester when I was beginning. He wasn't a teacher, but he played the banjo. I just got a banjo, didn't know what to do with it. Uh, I went to see Frank Custy, actually, and he said, well, why don't you play Paddy's Return? And that was the first tune I learned on it. I used to learn the tin whistle with Frank Custy in tuna all those years ago. And also Brenda McMahon, who used to teach tin whistle in Ennis and Tom Barrett. These were the main people in Ennis at that time teaching music. But from the point of view of banjo, probably the most influential person, let's say, on tenor banjo was Barney McKenna. And Barney was incredibly generous with his time when he'd be travelling around with the Dubliners because if he met a young fella that was interested in the banjo, he'd sit down and have a chat with you. But Sean Horn, the, mention I, the man that I mentioned there, he did say uh, about Barney and how he held the plectrum and that was so important. Barney had this philosophy that you held the plectrum in your hand as if you were holding a small bird. <laughs> Loose enough that it won't fly away and tight enough that you won't kill it. It's that fine line <laughs> between the control and the delicacy, isn't it? There's no doubt about it. And I learned that from an early stage from Barney and from meeting him. So they were probably the most influential people. After that, I suppose you're just picking up bits and pieces mm -hmm. as you're going. As I say, at that time, there might have been three, four people playing the tenor banjo. Mm -hmm. There were probably three or four playing in County Clare. Jimmy Ward of the Kilfenora Cayley Band, he was the first man ever to tune my banjo. I went up to him, took my banjo out of my black plastic bag outside <laughs> Kelly's pub in Ennis. He tuned it up for me. I put it back into the black plastic bag and at home in tune. It has never been out of tune since. Good right? man. Well, you're the only man who can keep a banjo in tune, Kieran <laughs> Hanron. And come here, I play a mean Paddy's return as well, so we might take out the fiddle and the banjo one of these days. Do you know, there's one for our podcast <laughs> at some stage. Now we'll have to speak to producer Donald about that. So before we ever played that, just remembering back there and Brenda Castles, I joked in the interview there with her and the, about the emergence of Brenda herself as a singer, and I was absolutely blown away by that side of her gig at City Hall. Yeah, one of the unexpected highlights of Brenda's set was that Scots song, The Last Trip Home, which we leave it to Brenda to introduce, as she did from the stage in City Hall. This is a, a Scottish song. I'm going to Scotland this afternoon, so um, it's one about a horse... It's basically set in on the day when the, the horses are, uh, the plough horses, the Clydesdale horses, known in this song as the muckle horses, which is the Scottish word for the Clydesdale horses. And um, it's set on the, the day that they're going home from the plough fields for the last time. And the next day the tractors will be taken over. So the whole community lines up to kind of uh, see their last trip home. Um, and it's called The Last Trip Home. And I got sent this song uh, a little while after my own horse died. 
and uh, he died of old age about three years ago. Um, so yeah, it, it resonated with me. So uh, I've been singing it ever since. Um, probably time to get a new one really, but uh, sure look at uh, we'll, we'll try this one last time, the last trip home.
our friends of light the road to see us one last time none of them would want to miss the chance to see us pass like this they say they saw in years to come the muckle horses last trip home so steady boys walk on your work is nearly done no more will to them plow the fields the horses day is gone and this will be Well, the castles there with a lovely song from Scotland called The Last Trip Home, playing concertina and singing at the same time. That's not something. Would you do that? Well, Ruth? I can't play the concertina, so it's, and, and it's arguable whether I can sing as well, so I don't know. <laughs> There's that question answered straight away. Not a simple job, I have to say. Brenda herself made it look so handy, I must say, during her gig at City Hall uh, at Tradfest. Next up, we have a band. You've known for quite a long time, actually, Ruth. Well, I've known one half of this band, the Lost Brothers, Oshin Leach and myself. We started on the very first day of our BA in Music and Drama and Theatre oh. Studies in Trinity College, would you yeah. believe? I keep dropping Trinity College in here. You know, it's, uh, my husband says, how do you know someone goes to Trinity College? They They'll tell, tell you. you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so myself and Oshin, we studied Drama and Theatre Studies in Trinity here in Dublin. And uh, I've known them since then, and I, I played a little bit of music with them as well yeah. during our college days. The Fluid Druids was the band that he had before he ventured into um, many other great musical arrangements, and one being the Lost Brothers himself and Mark McCausland. What a duo. Fantastic duo, and maybe we might talk about it later, but I was in Montreal at Folk Alliance uh, just very recently, came back from that, and the two lads were doing a showcase there. Incredible performance from them. What is it that you think is the, the kind of special ingredient that they have? Because I know their songwriting, you know, it harks back to those days of uh, Simon and Garfunkel or the Everly Brothers. There's something very timeless about them. But their unique kind of selling point, what is it that makes them stand out? To me, it's the blend of the voices. It's just incredible. Even when they're on stage there, they seem to just know where they are in relation to their microphones and stuff. They just get a beautiful balance naturally on mm. stage. Yeah, there's a real sense of ease and intuition with the two of them. Like their Lost Brothers, Long Lost Brothers, and I suppose that's where the the title or the, the name for their act came. Definitely very hard to believe that the Lost Brothers debut album came out just 10 years ago, November 2008. Yeah, and their most recent album, I think it's their fifth one, Halfway Towards a Healing, so there's, we're halfway there, there must be another 10 years in them yet at least. Indeed, they've packed so much into those 10 years, and when they played St. Micken's Church during Tradfest, they played music from right across their career, including a batch of brand new songs. 
I suppose it's fair to say too that St. Mickens as a venue is ideal for the Lost Brothers. Beautiful sound there, beautiful production qualities in the building itself. Yeah, just the atmosphere of a church gig, those big, the, yeah, the, the ambiance and the acoustics and everything lends itself to an act like that intimate sound of the Lost Brothers. Yeah, and intimate it is. Well, we're going to share with you now a song they played from their debut album, Trails of the Lonely, parts one and three, a gorgeous song called Under the Turquoise Sky. Thanks for coming out tonight. We'll see you next time.
The Lost Brothers there with Under the Turquoise Sky, recorded live by us at St. Mickens Church in Dublin during Tradfest in January last. As I was saying, actually, uh, they played the Folk Alliance Festival in Montreal. And I believe you were over there, Kieran. How I, did you find the whole experience? I found it amazing. Very informative, I have to say. And if a band or a group or an individual were looking to get out there, maybe to, to get known uh, in North America, especially, although there were promoters there from all over the world, I'd say it's a good idea to look into it. There's no doubt about mm-hmm. it. And there was a fine nest of Irish talent um, on the Culture Ireland platform as well. What bands for you stood out? In their performances. I know that's a tricky one now because uh, uh, they were all there. One. Yeah, I not know, I know, but they either. were all there on their own merits and all very different. Like, this is the thing. Yeah, I was. I suppose I was really taken by David Keenan. I had heard him on radio on different programmes uh, over the last couple of years, but I hadn't seen him live. And I met him on stage because I introduced the acts there uh, for Culture Ireland. And I just found him to be a very pleasant young man with a beautiful turn of phrase. And his performance was just one of magic. It was stunning. No, it wasn't the only stunning performance, but what I loved about him was his confidence. He's up there on stage, on his own, with his guitar, no loop pedals, no gimmicks, you know, and they're they're legitimate loop Mm -hmm. pedals, don't get me wrong, but he didn't need that. His words were just magic. His guitar playing, stunning, and his presentation was just something else, I have to say. Really, I was taken by that. He's a poet at heart. You can really get that sense from him. And I know, you know, from reading biogs and stuff and hearing his music, you can really see that he's he's studied and investigated the words of the likes of Oscar Wilde and Brenda Behan, and he really pays homage to the poetic lineage of Irish music. There's no question about that, and he's unique as well. And, you know, during his performance, when he was into all these very serious, his own words, let's say, he broke into Shida Wamo as well, you know. So it was just, he's, the whole production, the guy is just very special. Yeah, he is. I'm looking forward to seeing where he can go with all of that, mm. that beautiful talent. Also, I suppose to pick out, I, I, it's not fair, because there were eight official performers. I know Karen were there as well uh, from Drogheda, and they were performing not on the official stage. They did some lovely shows. Uh, Lisa Canny, to me, I know Lisa for a long time, as was a fellow banjo player. Yeah. Over the years, a brilliant harpist as well, an outstanding vocalist, but a stage presence to die for. She's she just really does fantastic. bring it in the performance, mm. doesn't yeah. she? Yeah, and it's great to see a woman front and centre in a band, mm-hmm. you know, and and making such yeah great music. And and as you mentioned before, the loop pedal they can sometimes get in the way, but when you have a command of it, because it's mm. almost like learning another instrument yeah. on top of mastering your own instruments she really has that down pat doesn't she oh she certainly did some stuff with the banjo she just leathered it out there you know it was really good <laughs> yeah. to see I speak uh, yeah and also on the harp I mean what she does with the harp it's just it's just different and it's magical and it's just you know you're kind of wrapped around it actually I felt this about all the performances you just felt so comfortable and actually happy and pleased and proud that all these people were representing Ireland on this international stage yeah and such a spectrum of styles and genres but at at their heart having great kind of storytelling and great traditional rootedness as well mm-hmm. in the music that they're playing and speaking of you know tradition we have um, a band like Nava who are combining the Persian classical music with Irish music so there's a scope not just national but international as well in the acts that are coming from Ireland. Uh, the sad thing about it from my point of view was I would say Nava and the Lost Brothers they're the only ones I could say that I didn't know when they were children. Unfortunately <laughs> I knew most of the rest of them as that. You as taught Moxie. them all they know. Well, you Moxie, taught them all Moxie they were know. there as well and Moxie did a fantastically energetic show as well when they were there and I knew the boys in college I had Ted there for a long time when he was studying so I just know all these people. I knew them even when they were kids in Sligo taking part in Sheansa and all that kind of stuff. So it's just great to see them having arrived on this international stage. Ine Kay, another young lady who did 
a superb show herself. That's herself and a drummer, percussionist. Mm-hmm. That was it. She built a bit of keyboard and she did some a cappella. I suppose, as I said, Ruth, it's probably not fair for me just to pick out those performers because everybody that went on stage there, I'm just trying to remember back. Now, I'm going through a little bit of jet lag, so that's my excuse for not remembering everybody. But everybody that performed, a great help to them all being there, actually, was the support and help from Culture Ireland. Which is essential for for musicians to get to that platform on a big international convention like that. You know, having that support from Culture Ireland is so essential. Yeah, and in case anybody gets too, you know, sort of serious about themselves, this is a business, like it's music business, you know. The art is all lovely. We can all make art wherever we like. If we're going on stage and performing, we're into the business of it. And if we're touring, we're into the business of it. And Culture Ireland certainly can help any performer that are trying to get onto that international stage. I met Christine Sisk, who's the director of Culture Ireland, at the event, and she was there to fly the flag for Ireland, if you like. And I asked her about Culture Ireland and their input. Well, Culture Ireland arrived here on Wednesday when the conference hit off with eight bands, and the eight bands are showcasing to international presenters. So each band has a slot in front of the presenters with a view to getting an opportunity to tour onwards and get contracts with festivals, venues abroad to help them sustain careers, to keep them busy working year-round. Now, we got some instructions earlier for if people want to get involved in Folk Alliance and how they might apply themselves, but Culture Ireland provide a, a, a mechanism for people getting here. We do. People need to apply to Folk Alliance, first of all, to get an official showcase. And once they're accepted by Folk Alliance, Culture Ireland is happy to give them some travel support to get them here. Next year, Folk Alliance is happening in New Orleans, so uh, it's an expensive uh, offering for people to take those transatlantic flights. But with Culture Ireland support, I think it's really worthwhile that people look if they get that official showcase in coming because they won't get that chance to perform in front of intensity of presenters like that anywhere else. Well, I know myself from speaking to all the artists that have performed here at Folk Alliance in Montreal this weekend, uh, I know that without uh, the help and the support of Culture Ireland, they all feel they wouldn't have been able to make that trip. So it is very, very important. It's an important part of a band's development. So we're going to say to the artists, if they want that support from Culture Ireland in whatever aspect that is, get onto the website and just check it out from there. Christine Sisk of Culture Ireland, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Kieran. Thanks for that. That was the voice of Christine Sisk there and all details on Culture Ireland. You get them online if you want them there, but uh, certainly they do fantastic work to encourage people uh, to get involved and to get on these international tours. I also met Kelly Doherty, or Kelly Doherty, I wasn't quite sure how to pronounce that, but she's the incoming head of communications route with Folk Alliance. We met her previously here at Tradfest, I think about five years ago, uh, through the Kansas City Irish Festival, but she is now the international communications director really with Folk Alliance. So I asked her about the event and how people might get there. This is the largest folk music conference in the world. So what people don't understand, this is not a festival. This is the conference where musicians and artists come to learn and trade their craft and to find an agent and to to get with presenters and in order for them to do that we have a lot of information that comes out we ask that you become a member of the of the uh, folk alliance international and through that you can submit uh, for being a, a an artist here at the festival
I'll describe one scene walking through the fourth floor of the hotel here last night. It was like walking through maybe the FLA when it was in Cavan or Listowel or something like that. Everybody shoulder to shoulder, just and every single room it seemed on that floor and the floor above and the floor beneath, there seems to be musical action going on in all of those people showing their wares. There's all kinds of music everywhere it's just so amazing so and again all that is is online people submit um, we're constantly getting calls and emails and all of that if you were to give a, a message out to Irish bands or Irish performers you'd say to them get onto the Folk Alliance website find out how it might be of benefit absolutely get on call us ask questions um, submit so you can be an official showcase artist um, that way you get a lot of press on you and you're official and that's the best way to do it, guys. The voice there of Kelly Doherty, the communications director with Folk Alliance, and all the information about Culture Ireland and Folk Alliance can be found online for those of you interested in dipping your toe into that water. Well, another band heading over to North America as we speak are the Black Feathers, and we had a live track and an interview with them in last week's show. But this weekend, they start a month-long US tour, and I highly recommend getting along to see the band. They really kick up a massive storm for just the pair of them, as we saw when they played the Pepper Canister Church during Tradfest here in Dublin. Yeah, the Black Feathers US tour starts this Friday in New Haven, Connecticut. This Saturday, they're at the Philadelphia Folk Song Society. On Sunday, they play the Yellowhammer House concert in Tinton Falls in New Jersey. And next Friday the 8th, they're at the Starlight Coffee House in Northport, New York. On Saturday the 9th, they're in Song Space in Pittsburgh. On uh, St. Patrick's Day, actually, that's March the 17th, for those of you that may never have heard of St. Patrick's <laughs> Day. But they're going to play the wonderfully named spot called The Rooster's Wife in Aberdeen, North Carolina. So would you call that the Hen House? The I Hen wonder? House, or the ro- well, that's probably the best name for it, <laughs> The Rooster's Wife. I love it. Well, they're going to have a scatter of other gigs later in March in Vermont and upstate New York and if that's your neck of the woods check out theblackfeathers.com for more information and don't forget by the way to keep your own gig information coming to us get in touch with us here through our contact page on tradfest.ie absolutely we want to hear from you if you have any gigs coming up please do get in touch the more the merrier and the crack is 90 almost every hour here of the day in the Oliver St. John Gogarty Bar and Restaurant and Temple Bar in Dublin where we've set up the studio today Kieran. and we should say that's Dublin Ireland just in case we weren't picking <laughs> up on Dublin, that question. Ohio. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Who run? Although you wouldn't mind it. No. You wouldn't mind getting the no, flight out to Dublin, Ohio to do the podcast. You wouldn't because they run a beautiful festival there as well. So maybe we could get to there at some stage for sure, Ruth. You mentioned the crack being 90. The crack is, well, it was certainly set at 90 when the Cane Sisters touched down at City Hall during Tradfest this year. What an amazing pair of women. I thoroughly enjoyed not only hearing them play, but chatting with them afterwards. So I did interview them during Tradfest, which we will be featuring in the coming weeks. But stop the lights, the energy off the pair of them. Something else, <laughs> I have to say. But there's a, again, there's a beauty about their music. There's a synergy. I mean, we were talking about the Lost Brothers and how they combine, but the Kane sisters, it's just so hard to describe. It's something else. It is magic. And they have great, they have great divilment. Not only just in chatting to them, but that comes through in their music as well, doesn't it? No doubt about it. And you know one thing they do as well in their music, they pay great homage to Paddy Fahey. They do beautiful versions of his tunes. We did speak about did him, you? and I we've a, we've a, a mutual love and respect for his tunes. That kind of melancholy, but they draw out a lovely fullness in the tunes. Yeah, well, melancholy isn't a word that you would associate with the Cairns sisters. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Two sides of a coin, though, isn't it great when they come together? It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, do you, and, and an interesting fact about them is that neither. Do them play soccer, unlike their cousin Harry Kane in Tottenham Hotspur. 
Get out of that. There you go. No, I didn't know little, that. There's a little bit of info for you. I'd say they might play the football, though. With all, with all that you know about <laughs> soccer, that's something you didn't know about. <laughs> Do you know, Kieran? I don't know anything about <laughs> soccer, to, much to my uh, upset. No, they're, they're, they're very special. But as you say, probably would kick a football for someone down in Connemara when they'd go. get going. L- uh, raised at the foot of the Diamond Mountain, wasn't it, in Letter Frack? I know about that. And I them. believe they're still down there. They are, actually, uh, so they were, well, I mean, they do so much travelling around the world with their music, but that is their home base. And I'd say I recorded them maybe 15 years ago for Cayley House in Letterfrack. And here we have, actually, the Cairns sisters, that's Liz and Yvonne, playing a set of jigs that they recorded, that they performed at Tradfest in City Hall in Dublin, Ireland. Thank you. 
back is the Kane sisters there with a fine set of jigs. The girl from the big house, Manor Hamilton, the 8th of May, and Con Curtin's Big Balloon. Now, they are three fine titles. Well, I can tell you, uh, Con Curtin's Big Balloon, were you ever there? I wasn't. <laughs> that was a place in the docks in London. It used to be a pub. Con Curtin was a famous Schlievelucher, or Kerry fiddle player, uh, certainly, and uh, he had that pub in London. It was an early house. And I, remember I wouldn't be caught dead in an early house here in Hanron. You know that about me. Well, you don't have to go there early just because <laughs> it's an early house. But I was there early on a few occasions down through the years when I performed with Stockton's Wing. If you were after doing a concert in London and uh, every place else was shut, people headed for Con Curtin's Big Balloon. It was just an institution there. Brilliant name. Yeah. Absolutely. And who was it who wrote that tune, do you know? Don't know who yeah. that name belongs to, but certainly they, were, they must have spent a night or two there. They must have. Do you know what, Ruth? Name. We don't know who did name it but we can maybe if anybody has an idea who did write it uh, they can certainly drop us a line maybe Please to tradfest.ie yeah, that's the place to go great stuff though looking forward to sharing more of that concert with the Kane sisters and your interview with them Ruth well we're coming to the end of another stuffed episode of Tradfest and Tradfest is brought to you by the Temple Bar Company it's a not-for-profit collective who manage promote and well just love everything about Temple Bar which is Dublin's cultural quarter Temple Bar is located in the historic heart of Dublin city centre and to learn more about the area and the company you can visit lovetemplebar.com The live concert recordings in this episode were produced by Andy Knightley from K Recordings This Tradfest podcast is produced by Donald Scannell from bornoptimistic.com and can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and anywhere you get your podcasts well, if you like today's show, please do give us a five-star rating and ask your friends to listen to the show as well. Connect with us on Facebook at Temple Bar Tradfest. You can find us on Twitter at Temple Bar Trad or visit the website tradfest.ie. Thanks a million as well to the Oliver Singen Gogarty pub right here in the heart of Temple Bar for having us today and being such great supporters of Tradfest. Until next week, I've been Kieran Hanrahan. And I'm Ruth Smith. Thanks a million to you all for listening and don't forget to get in touch at tradfest.ie. Thanks a million. Slán.